to the Republic. Nope. This is say what you mean. You guys almost got you guys there. I, I hope nobody actually turned it off the second I heard to the Republic. Anyway, just kidding. This is say what you mean. Why don't you introduce yourself, Jeff? 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 Where are you, Jeff? Oh my god, the aliens got Jeff! They got him! We guys, we got to find Jeff. The aliens got him. They just swooped down here and they took him. I don't know where he went. Anyway, we'll have to trudge on without him. Hopefully it finds his way back. I wanted to start this episode of... I'm not going to call it Jake Thoughts, because it's not really Jake Thoughts. I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts right now, because my head is very tired. My brain, tired. Eyes, tired. Body, tired. Uh, Wells, uh, for those of you who don't know, Wells is my son. He is 11 months. He'll be a year next month. He decided last night that he was not going to sleep. Just out of nowhere, cannot figure out why. Just, he was up until, I think it was 1 p.m. last night. I don't know. I lost track. And then, um, it just, I don't understand. He was just not tired, and he just kept staying up and wouldn't go to bed. And on a Thursday night, that sucks, because Fridays are my late day at work, and it's just created for a very long day for Kylie, my wife, and I. Um, sorry if you can hear anything going on in the background. I currently am recording in my, um, I am currently recording in my living room and I have my door open and there's neighbor kids are yelling, tired of the neighbor kids. Anybody have like, I know I think I've talked about this, but does really anybody ever want to actually have a relationship with their neighbors? I, I'm not going to dredge it up again because I know I've talked about this, but neighbors are annoying. You don't need them. Just keep to yourself. You'll be a lot better off. Because then you don't get dragged into other people's bullshit. Like, who wants to deal with other people's bullshit? And neighbors are really only good for drama and gossip. And then if you need to drop off a spare key or something. But, I mean, any good person, if your house is burning down, they'll call the they'll call the cops whether they know you or not, right? They'll call the fire department. You don't need anybody. And is the drama and gossip really worth it when it comes to having to deal with other people's bullshit? Anyway, I'm about to go yell at these kids. Like the old man that I am, which I realized I have definitely tipped the scales into old man, uh, into old man mode because as I was taking the trash cans out the other day on Wednesday, because um, trash is on Thursday morning. I was dragging the trash can out, and I was admiring my beautiful patch of wildflowers that I grew from seed from seeds to now full bloom, full blooming flowers along the side of my house. One of my great, like one of my most recent great accomplishments. I, like I cultivated the land. I went and bought like a little like um, tilling rake thing busted up all of the old like heavy clay dirt got that all put it a whole bunch of like um potting soil and like seedling mix in there got it all ready planted my seeds and then they didn't grow and they didn't grow and they didn't grow and they didn't grow and i watered them ever i tried watering them every day making sure they had plenty of water i just like well, this was a huge waste of money. I spent way too much money on on wildflower seeds. I went and specifically got Pacific Northwest wildflowers seeds because 
one of my favorite things to do during the spring is to go and get is to go on hikes in the gorge and see the wildflowers. So I wanted to bring the gorge wildflowers to my home. And after m almost a month of not seeing anything, just pulling weeds, uh, I started to see sprouts coming up. But because it had been so long, I and I had missed kind of flower season, wildflower season, because the ones in the gorge have already been long dead. Um, I was like, hmm, I don't know if these are weeds or if they're my flowers, but I let them be. And I kept watering. And one day, I mean, one day they started growing into actual like plants, but they looked kind of like weeds. And I was like, well, eventually I'm going to have to like mow these down because they're getting kind of tall and they're kind of ugly. And then the next thing I know, a couple purple flowers start to bloom. And now I got a full on wildflower patch along the side of my house. Really proud of that. And it smells amazing. Then I have some some pots, um, some flower boxes on the front. I got my flag flying. I got my bird feeder. And all I can think about is how excited I am to see the big blue jay and the goldfinches and the squirrels every single day. God, I'm lame. How do you, like, it, I, I think that kind of stuff hits you without warning. All of a sudden, now I'm bird feeder guy? Ugh, my God. God, what happened to me? I wish the aliens would just abduct me like they did Jeff. Anyway, um, I have a question for you guys all before we get into our today's topics. Um, so think about this. I have a question I'm going to pose to you. And ponder this throughout the episode because at the end of the episode, I will reveal my answer. I'm not going to reveal it now. I want you guys to stick around and listen because I know... Some people don't like listening to the old, to the Jake only episodes. Y'all are jerks, and I want to make if you want to know the answer to this question, my answer to the question. You need to listen to the end. Don't go skipping forward either. Don't go and cheat. Anyway, question is: If somebody walked up to you in the street, you're walking down the sidewalk. Somebody, some guy comes up with a briefcase, and he goes, "Excuse me." I'd like to offer you $50,000 right now. And he pulls out the briefcase and goes, Whatcha! 50 grand right there. Cold, hard cash, untaxable. And, and you said, Well, who's going to say no to that, right? It's 50 G's. But then he says, Caveat. You have to, the person you hate most in your life, not like, person like just anybody in the world like Vladimir Putin or Ryan Seacrest I'm talking like somebody who's actually in who has either been in your life and is no longer in your life because you hate them or somebody who's currently in your life that you hate the most whoever that person is they get a hundred thousand dollars and you have to be the one to deliver it to them and you don't get to say why you're giving them the $100,000. You just get to give them the $100,000 and then you leave. Do you do it? Do you take the fifty grand? Ponder on that one for a little while. I will tell you the answer, my answer to that question at the end of the episode. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about today? So, I wrote out a list and to kind of um, so I can preview the episode a bit we're going to talk about pride blink 182 
noticing the little things. Biden trade policy. FD, uh, FD form 1023. Paris. Back by popular demand. Rudy's proffer agreement. What is that? And then I will reveal the answer to my question. So, starting with pride. Um, and I guess this kind of uh, this kind of transitions into the Blink-182 topic because uh, Jeff and I, before he got abducted by aliens, uh, our families, well, my wife and I, uh, we left the potato at home. And then uh, Wells, yeah, so Wells was in Beaverton with Kylie's aunt. And Kylie and I drove up to Seattle to meet Jeff and his wife and their daughter and uh, Jeff's best friend and one of my new best friends, Jesse, um, who I shout out to Jesse. I have played games with this guy for years, every Friday and Saturday. I know he's Jeff's best friend, but I seriously, I don't know if I have met like a, a more genuinely nice individual than than Jesse Geezy. Dude is super chill super cool so we sat next to each other at the blink 182 concert what a great dude was singing along him and i were singing along to the songs talking about music talking about life everything guys just guys a great dude i can see why jeff's his best friend or why he's jeff's best friend great dude great dude um anyway we get up to we're heading up to blink which the drive up there was an absolute travesty it took us five hours because we had to go drive to beaverton drop off wells and then kylie and i had to drive all the way north and like you know this is a Sunday. This is not a Friday or like in the evening after work where you would expect there to be traffic. No, this is Sunday afternoon. And then we hit traffic. We hit traffic on 26 going all the way down onto 405 up I-5 to the bridge crossing into Oregon. And at this point, it's already like 2 o'clock. And the, the uh, traffic... The, concerts at seven but we've been trying we were trying to get there because we wanted to meet jeff and the part and his crew for dinner before the concert and because blink 182 is both mine and jeff's favorite band so i mean this was a big thing right tom DeLong is back we've talked about this ad nauseum amazing concert anyway we get all the way up there fight traffic all the way through at random spots too like vader vader writer would like what the hell? Why is there traffic in Vader, Riderwood? No accidents. Traffic all the way through the Lacey Corridor up like just north of Olympia. All, all the way up. Took us five hours to get from Beaverton to Seattle. Just an absolute miserable drive. Thought I was going to miss the concert. We didn't. Thought I was I was panicking going. I was in the fields. <laughs> Poor Kylie had to witness my ups and downs of the emotional roller coaster that was me freaking out about missing the concert being mad about traffic and then being like everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay 10 minutes later oh my god anyway so we get into seattle and it's also pride it's uh the pride parade was that day so um as you'd expect seattle was seattle was having a good time on saturday or sunday sunday and you know like Growing up in Vancouver, Washington, I, Pride was never re really a thing. 
like we didn't really experience i mean i never experienced it it's also kind of sheltered growing up and to be fair a little bigoted but as i've gotten older and and everything and and gotten just become a better person i i find the whole i find pride to be such a cool thing and it's clearly not for me right but we can i can still i can still find it super cool that people are out there experiencing and experiencing partying being joyful for who they are around other people who are like them or support and support them and what just a fun fun atmosphere and i just don't understand why anybody could look at a pride parade these people out there partying i mean pride is I mean, a pride is not is literally nothing more than just an excuse to party just go party like who gives a shit who they i just i mean this sounds cliche but who gives a shit who they love just go just go all just go out and party together no i don't party but I can, there's something just really innately joyful and wonderful about people being in the moment, watching people being in the moment, experiencing true joy and happiness. And like being in a, in a environment that facilitates that where they feel comfortable and it's amazing and I'm so glad that we are in a we are in a place now we're not where we need to be clearly there's a lot to work to be done thank you scotus or actually more like f off scotus but it's just i'm glad that now and we've gotten at least to the point we've progressed to the point that there are pride that pride month is so is way more widely celebrated in in most large cities now have like actual pride celebrations i think that is really cool and i'm really excited for those individuals who get to celebrate that and and what i mean by it's not for me is clearly i'm i mean i'm i'm a straight cisgendered individual i'm not part of the lgbtq plus community but it is still great that I get to I got to witness and even though I wasn't even really a part of it, I was just walking to a concert, walking through it, but still having people say happy pride to me as my wife and as to us as my wife and I walked down the street. Just so inclusive and they didn't even like they didn't even know us, but it's so great that people get to just go out and be themselves. I think that's something to celebrate and it's truly a celebration so why are we uh, so the people who want to shit on this on us on celebration ask yourself why like truly just like ask yourself why does a pride parade or a pride celebration really bother you i, I don't hear any any comp- com- complaints about fourth of july about uh cinco de mayo St. Patrick's Day, all of these other cultural celebrations 
you don't even hear, you don't hear a peep about those things. So really ask yourself, like, what is the problem that you really have with pride? It's not the loud noises or people celebrating or whatever, clogging up traffic because of because of their celebration. No, it's because you have a, you have an innate problem with the way that it, another individual chooses to spend their life. Which, if you've got a problem with that, you really need to really do some soul searching. Because it doesn't matter. That is not a hill to die on. Just not. So, pivoting to Blink-182, without a doubt, one of the most fun nights I've had in a long, long time. Just an absolute blast of a night, being able to sing along with all of the songs. And if you had asked high school Jake that he, I would be at 32 at a Blink-182 reunion concert in Seattle, uh, I would have told you, hell no, I only listen to Garth Brooks. So <laughs> this was such a cool, or Def Leppard. I went to multiple Def Leppard concerts in high school or in country concerts. That's basically all I listen to is because that's what you're supposed to listen to as a real American is classic rock and country music. Even though back in the 80s, classic rock pushed the boundaries <laughs> of uh, society. But now it's funny because that is seen as part of the fabric of like of America was music that was once controversial and pushed the boundaries of what was socially acceptable, pushed the boundaries of con- like conventional conservative like establishment norms, social norms is now seen as like something that you listen to as white pride male Christian. Just interesting to me. But Blink-182 amazing i could not have asked for a better for a for a better concert just so professionally done so well performed just amazing um not kylie's type not kylie's uh type of music but she was a champ she's like five months pregnant and sitting in a super loud cramped uh arena packed with like 20,000 people all singing um, on the top of their lungs to Blink-182. She she was an absolute trooper having to deal with me freaking out beforehand, having to sit through a loud concert. Um, But, you know, she's, she, she did it for me and it was amazing. It was, I just, I was so glad I got to spend it with the people I got to spend it with. And I'm glad my wife was there, even though it's not her type of music. It made it meant a lot to have her there with me, because I would not have been the same experience without her. Um, so anyway, so now on to some more, I guess, serious topics. Uh, not that pride isn't you know serious in its own way, but um, I'm gonna skip noticing the little things because I kind of already touched on that. But like the just the. I guess taking the time to notice the little things is what I wanted to focus. Like, I guess I wanted to draw attention to It's like enjoying the little things or enjoying the small things, all that kind of stuff. But I think just even taking the time to notice the little things can have such a profound effect on your mood. I, you know, I was, my struggles with mental health has been well documented on, on this, on this show. 
And so with that mental health, you have a lot of ups and downs and moods. And it's constantly trying to find things that can help you get out of a funk. And with my job and the stresses of being a first-time parent with another one on the way and just everything that life can throw at you, not being able to get out with my camera as much, I cannot tell you how amazing it is to just walk by and see flowers that I grew from seeds or watching birds eating this you know eating the bird seed that I put into my bird feeder and knowing like that is such you know I'm like it's cool that I'm providing them with stuff and it it's cool that I get to see their them want eat eat and enjoy and gather there's always like five or six birds all either on the ground eating seeds that have fallen or on the on my uh, bird feeder it's just it's a cool thing to witness it's really really cool and and every once you just have to stop what you're doing get out of my I just have to get out of my own head and just notice the little things anyway so now actually on to a more um, serious topic and that is Biden's trade policy now I haven't been Jeff and I have not been shy about our, you know, we, we vo- who we voted for and who we wanted to win the last two elections and all of that, how we feel about Biden's opposition. And I've openly supported Joe Biden, but it's only fair to critique the things when they're real critiques to be had. And, and I mean, I've been a lifelong Republican. It Does Joe Biden inspire a ton of confidence in, in me? No. I have a ton of... I mean, I guess I have way more in common politically with him now than I did even a few years ago. That being said, the... he One of the things that I... One of the first things I noticed about Trump's rhetoric... And one of the way that I knew he was going to treat a certain type of policy going forward was American trade was American trade policy as a capitalist, as a as a, a believer in the cap in capitalism, political capitalism as a political economy, um, as a foundation for a, like a country's political economy. And as a Republican, I am very much in favor of free trade. So having as few barriers to trade as possible, that means no, as little tariffs as possible. Um, and I, because I, I truly believe that over the last 70 plus years, uh, the cultivation of a, of, of free trade policies has helped ease tensions between major powers, making cost, the cost of war so high that they do not, that they look for other avenues in which to get the things that they need via trade instead of going and conquering another country to get <laughs> resources that they need. Uh, it has also helped um, bring technology and products to people all across the world to help more people out of poverty than have ever been in, than have ne- like taking more people out of poverty than at any point in human history. There is less people living in poverty today than at any point not to say this not there isn't downsides to to capitalism there's different ways we can try to tweak it to make it better more equitable all of that is those are valid critiques of of capitalism but i think as a basic 
concept, capitalism is better than any of the al current alternatives in terms of the political economy. The and one of the things that Trump was talking about when he was a candidate in 2015-2016 was um, removing the United States from the Trans-Pacific Partnership to um, impose strict uh, tariffs on both our allies and our adversaries um, to help bring up about the America first economy. And I've, I've argued about how destructive that is long term to the protecting America's industries and picking winners and losers in the economy by that, by limiting choice uh, to the world markets, um, only hurts the American economy in the long run, even though you might see some short term benefits, you will ultimately in the long run reap what you sow. And that's happening now. But one of the political realities that happened was, is that for a long time, one of the most reliable voting bases, especially in the Rust Belt, where electoral points are key, the Ohio's, Michigan's, Wisconsin's, uh, Pennsylvania, the Rust Belt, one of the biggest... Um, one of the most reliable voting bases are the, were the trade unions f for the Democratic Party. And that was because the Democratic Party has always been pro-labor. And the Trans-Pacific Partnership was seen as being an anti-labor uh, policy, that it would um, ship jobs overseas because manufacturing jobs would then go, would, manufacturing jobs, especially those in the steel industry, would then, um, would, would favor overseas overseas competitors to domestic to domestic suppliers and so what that drove a lot of people to the republican party to trump's brand of the republican party because um hillary clinton was very much being a classic democrat a neoliberal democrat the was very much in favor of pro um, and then really both both parties up until Trump were very much in favor of free trade, um, low, low, bar low, low barriers to, to, to trading goods abroad. Trump turned that on its head and it was very popular, especially amongst the, um, especially amongst the manufacturing, the Rust Belt, like the Rust Belt states, which has allowed him to eke out close wins in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin um, and dominate Ohio in 2016, which carried him to the presidency. And I think as much as Joe Biden has always been a proponent of free trade, he campaigned um, on on lifting those tariffs uh, and talking about how damaging Trump's tariffs were to the economy, to the both the global economy and, to, and but specifically even more so to the American economy. How it hurts American, not only does it hurt American suppliers in the long run, but it also hurts American, by, it helps American, hurts American consumers by driving up domestic prices because competition is now limited because now the global price is now higher than domestic prices. So domestic prices can be higher, which helps suppliers in the short run. And then it hurts, it hurts buyers in the short run because prices are higher. There's less competition to drive prices down. Anyway, I digress. Biden ran on an anti-tariff policy 
well, once he got, once he's now gotten to the presidency, it seems that he hasn't lifted any of the tariffs of anything. He's just more, he's, anything he's done is actually reinforced them. And now I have to admit, I kind of dropped the ball on this. I just assumed that he would make good on his promise. And we're two and a half years into his term. And uh, I came across an article in Foreign Policy magazine that talked about criti basically criticizing Biden's um, lack of free trade policy. And if anything, he's, um, you know, kind of doubled down on these tariffs with his his own kind of rebranding of made in America, America first, whatever we're going to, we're going to protect American industry, whether it's the steel industry, the dairy industry, whatever, like um, whatever large industry we're trying to protect. And I just want to point to the protections of uh, the grain uh, of the, of the um, American agriculture uh, after world war one and throughout the twenties and how that led to, to price, uh, to, uh, how that led to, to price guarantees and quotas and uh, it just basically was one of the main reasons why the economy tanked is because of these tariffs. On, and what's, a tariff is basically a, uh, a punitive measure against whoever you levy it against. So, I mean, what's, what is somebody going to do when you levy a tariff against them? They're just going to levy a tariff against you. It's tit for tat. So, I mean, there's always going to be consequences to none of these things can just happen in a vacuum and poof, like there's no consequences to them. So, I mean, Trump started this, but Biden hasn't released it. Now, you could argue that, well, I mean, if Biden wanted to be the it's hard to be the first mover, right? If Biden lowers the, his tariffs. But the people we've already levied them against them and have levied them now against us in retaliation don't relax theirs then we are we've kind of got the suckers payoff and nobody wants the suckers payoff so i mean so there is some risk to it however america is still the global superpower and people will take our lead I, I think you have to trust that at least with europe our european allies that there will be i mean if we lower our tariffs and we make that pledge we people will f will indeed follow if we lead by example which is America has always enjoyed a very favorable international um, standing, mostly because we've helped build and shape and fund the the current global structure. But other people looked have looked to us to lead by example and have followed followed our example at least for the most part. Anyway, so my critique is is that. It seems that even though Biden is ideologically aligned with a free trade policy, which is one of the reasons why, I mean, other than tr that Trump was a dumpster fire, and I was, even if Biden was still anti-trade, I would still vote for Biden over Trump just because, well, I, Trump doesn't even believe in democracy. But Biden, at least, I, I mean, Biden, he, that doesn't mean we can't critique biden we wish that he would um i just wish there was better choices <laughs> like that's my biggest that's my biggest frustration that there isn't better choices i'm stuck having to vote for a democrat because the republicans keep putting up orange man like anyway the just i just want a free trade classic republican where is mitt romney anyway the um biden and trade 
I think what it is, it's more of a political calculation because I do think Biden is is ideologically aligned with a free trade mindset or philosophy when it comes to um, trade U.S. trade policy. But the I think it's what he's doing is he's it's a political calculation by the Democratic Party, and that is that they were completely outflanked by Trump on labor and on domestic labor issues. And I feel like they have vowed to never let that happen again. So that's why you see these protectionist policies, which are aimed at securing or at least securing what left, what they have left of the Rust Belt uh, labor union vote in trying to gain back the one, some of what they've lost to sure up uh, the electoral points in those ever important Rust Belt states like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, because the classic battleground states of Ohio and Florida and Virginia of yesteryear have no longer become competitive. Virginia is solid blue. Florida is all but solid red. And Ohio, well, Ohio is 10 points red. And I don't see like, I don't see that changing. But if you're a democratic strategist, if you pull, you can lose Florida, you can lose Ohio, well, that's a lot of electoral points. But as long as you can still hold Pennsylvania and you can hold Michigan and Wisconsin, it's almost impossible for the Republican Party to win the Electoral College. So I get the political calculation, but I just wish that there was a better way that we didn't have to face the threat of one of an authoritarian from one party or Joe Biden on the Democratic Party. Because I feel like if there wasn't these this political calculation that has to be done, that you would see better policy, which is one of the major thing, reasons why a functioning democracy needs two competent parties, because they balance out each other. We're that we're we will not survive if one party continues to win by default. The Republican Party needs to get its shit together. And the in the Democratic Party, you as a Democrat should hope for that to happen, because long run we don't survive with these type of political calculations being made by the Democratic Party. Nobody who knows economics thinks that protectionist trade policies are good ideas, but based on the political calculations of the time, because the great, the the alternative is if you lose the electoral college again to Trump, we may not have a democracy. So that's my, I guess, kind of my broader point here is that um, politics screws up everything. Anyway, moving on. So I'm assuming when I was reading off my list of what I was going to talk about when I said um, FR1023 that you probably assumed that I had a brain glitch. But really what it is, is it's a federal document. And specifically what an FR1023 is, is that if you've never heard of it, most probably haven't. And I hadn't until I came across a story that I read um, about why Republicans on, Republicans on the Hill were waving this, what they said was a smoking gun about how the FBI was covering up wrongdoing by the Biden administration and not pursuing credible leads um, about a particular bribe that Biden took and is on tape taking. However, the informant that they said that they have disappeared. No idea where, even admittedly, the House chairman of the uh, intelligence committee has said that 
the informant that they swore they had, has disappeared and no one can talk to him. Can Nobody can confirm his whereabouts or his identity or where he may even be. So more than likely, dude doesn't exist. But the FR-1023 is a document that the FBI fills out any time that they get a lead on any potential wrongdoing of a federal crime. It is a memorandum that they fill out. Basically, the, they take the statement of the person who was alleging that the crime occurred, and then they follow up on it. All it is, is it has no, um, there's no opinion written about it. There is no follow-up. It is literally just a statement form of the statement that they, the FBI got from the person who made the statement. So, when House Democrats, which are trying to investigate the Biden administration for any particular wrongdoing because they want to impeach Biden because a tit for tat, because they feel like the impeachment of President Trump twice was politically motivated, they are going to do the same to Biden. However, because the FR-1023 literally is nothing more than just a statement put onto a form from an individual it's not verified it in is no way credit i mean it's not credible because literally it's not it hasn't even been investigated at that point so when the house intelligence committee subpoenaed this document from the fbi they only subpoenaed the fr1023 not the fbi memorandum that accompanies that accompanies that form, which basically is the FBI's assessment of that particular allegation on the 1023 form. The House Republicans conveniently only asked for the FR1023 and waved it in front of everybody and all the cameras, seeing CCC, the FBI, is withholding and not is is trying to cover for the Biden administration. Here is proof that they were given um, credible evidence that a crime had been had been caused or been committed by President Biden, and the FBI is not following up with it. They conveniently didn't ask for the accompanying memorandum that clearly states that the FBI found that statement to not be credible. That statement was actually made by Rudy Giuliani, Trump's lawyer, in that there is no evidence that there is any tape that exists in which Biden is can be heard taking a bribe. So why would the why would the Republicans lie about the validity of that form, misrepresent that form? It just sad to think that um, our politicians would so openly lie and try to manipulate us to the point where there are people out now in the social media sphere talking about well you need to listen to the biden tape it's out there just listen to it it's not out there it was there's an alleged tape that exists no one can find it no one can find the person who allegedly recorded the tape he's disappeared but that's not the way it's being portrayed by both the Republican Party and the Republican-controlled media and Fox News. So when they, when Fox News and the Democrat and the Republicans like to point at Democrats and the liberal news media for carrying the water of a of the party, 
or the president, they're just as guilty of it too. Anyway, I can't think of a more more recent, more disgusting lie being perpetrated by our elected officials. And I know I'm going to get this. Hunter Biden is not his father. Hunter Biden has pled guilty to misdemeanor charges, which the investigators found was all that was warranted for his alleged crimes, even though the narrative has been that he has been this insanely corrupt individual. All they could get him on was paying his taxes late. And need I remind you that he is the president's son and the sitting president has complete impunity to to pardon anyone. And there's nothing anybody can do about that. If Biden wanted to try to cover up his son's crimes, he could just pardon his son. But he didn't. Why? Because Biden, at least at the base level, understands the rule of law. And if his son broke the law, his son should suffer those consequences. Biden has not stepped in. There is no evidence that in any at any step did Biden try to interfere with the investigation of his son. And has so far has not shown any indication that he would pardon his son for the crimes in which his son pleaded guilty to. So, once again, I need to ask, whose party is the party of law? And now moving on to a completely unrelated topic, because this was, um, I had sent out a help me signal to the group chat between um, Jeff, who has been abducted by aliens, uh, and CJ, that I needed more topics for this episode. Because as you could probably notice, we I have released this a full 24 hours after we would normally release because life. Anyway, um, he asked, have you, CJ asked, have you talked about Paris? And up to that point, up to this point, um, I hadn't thought about talking about it because I'd only ever, I actually only really had read headlines that a 17-year-old um, kid was shot by police and killed in France uh, trying to um, flee a stop from a police officer. Uh, the police officer shot him and, and killed the individual. Um, so I, in that there was then uh, active um, protests and riots ha- happening around the country, especially in the Paris area and the surrounding suburbs. The and it had been increasing overnight. Hundreds of people have been getting every night increasing um, police presence, uh, clashes with police. Many like hundreds arrested. And so I went and did a little bit of reading, tried to piece together what I could. Um, nice thing about international news is you get quite a few uh, different perspectives from different countries. I was reading um, British public. I was reading in the BBC and also in the Independent uh, about what uh, what was uh, kind of just the context in which this happened, what's going on. Um, I find it weird to have real any sort of hot takes about what's going on in another country. It doesn't really feel as an American like it's my place to really judge uh, what is what's happening. But I think we can all feel that. Um, I think it all hits close to home with police brutality, um, the use of lethal force, all of the questions and pitfalls that come around what come along with that. So kind of the, the facts of the case is that as a 17-year-old kid, I find it odd that the BBC decided to highlight the fact that uh, he had troubles in school. Uh, he had 
poor they even talked about his poor attendance at the college he was attending um, near his which was he's attending a local college near his house he was on a rugby team for um, he was on a rugby team for uh, uh, troubled youths um, it's just weird that those were the things that were included in this uh, article that wasn't even about who he is I ended up clicking on a article about talking about who this individual was and the, the 17 year old kid who was shot uh, but the BBC article talking about just the facts of the case in the first few paragraphs talked at length about uh, this kid's kind of troubled past. It's just weird about how journalism's what they ha journalists and how they choose to frame certain individuals and how that can either be used to, to justify um, the police action or further arguments that the police like, oh, maybe he deserved it, right? Um, which clearly not the case so what happened uh was is that the the, the kid was stopped he never had any formal arrests but apparently the, the the police did know who this individual was he um had been running had been in trouble especially with with car situations although they didn't elaborate on what those situations were he was supposed to appear uh to a french court um in a few days like a few days after um the incident had he not been killed um and the he was dry he, apparently he was in a he was driving a car with polish plates in france with two other individuals when he was pulled over and stopped now apparently in france 17 is too young to have a driver's license did not know that it's interesting and um so clearly he was driving illegally and um he all i read is that he tried to flee and the officer shot him point blank in the chest. So, if you feel like making a judgment on that, whatever, not my place to really judge. I'm just explaining uh, what I have read about the situation. Uh, the, the individual, the 17-year-old kid, was of Algerian descent, which if anybody knows French colonial history, uh, Algeria and uh, France have a very uh, tense relationship because Algeria was one of France's long-term colonies and France and Algeria had fought multiple wars well Algerian independence movements uh, fought several wars against France during the colonial era uh, that resulted in lots of uh, bloodshed and civilian bloodshed France and Algeria have a very 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 checkered past so um, uh, one of the major critiques is that of this person is not only black but he is of algerian descent and that kind of um and the frustrations that minorities in france feel because of feeling ostracized and it's a lot of the same complaints that um, african americans in the united states have about uh, institutions and uh, policing and how uh, minorities are the targets are, are disproportionately targeted by police and it's interesting that the same we we think that I mean, we live in, we live in such a, a you know, such a bubble here in the United States I think everybody does right I mean, you you tend to pay attention to what's around you and you kind of think that your case or what you're experiencing is unique to you and in reality a lot of these things transcend time and space and borders and it's uh, I, I think it's it's interesting and sad that um, it, 
people are experiencing these things worldwide that we've experienced, or not me, but that um, that there is these societal wrongs that are transcending borders, and it needs to truly be a global movement to try to to right these wrongs. Um, was the cop in the wrong for um, for uh, for for shooting the end of, for shooting the seventeen year old? Uh, that's for the French courts to decide. They've already prosecuted the, um, the the police officer, but it's interesting too that Emmanuel Macron, the French president, had came out and said that the shooting of um, of the kid was um, indefensible and unforgivable, and then immediately got attacked by the French police union for basically inflaming anti-police rhetoric. Uh, there has been um, a, there has been burnings of cars and buildings uh, throughout France. And uh, just really feels like the George Floyd situation happening in Paris. Uh, but once again, not going to make any judgments because I find it weird as an American commenting on a place that I have never been in a country that I am not a citizen of. But I hope that uh, at least if you hadn't heard of this, you've heard of it. And if you had heard of it, at least hopefully you picked up some more context. So for the last topic today, I think we're going to talk about Rudy's. Rudy Giuliani's proffer agreement. What is a proffer agreement? And why is Rudy Giuliani getting an agreement? And why does that matter? So first, a proffer agreement is essentially it is a a day of immunity. So when somebody is implicated in a crime um, or is being investigated in a crime, part of a like a larger criminal scheme, uh, prosecutors can choose to give that individual a proffer, a individual a proffer agreement, which is essentially, you come in, we can, uh, um, anything that you say to us during this time cannot be used against you um, in any criminal case. And in return, we can basically ask you anything. If you lie to us, that agreement is gone. Um, and essentially, what it does is uh, it allows someone to uh, basically kind of potentially skate on charges for giving information that is relevant to a case of somebody that the Justice Department is trying to uh, build a case against. So in this case, um, and this specifically, Rudy Giuliani was offered a proffer agreement by Jack Smith and the special counsel looking into the January 6th involvement in the documents case um, of Trump, pre former President Trump, um, also tied to the fake electors scheme. Uh, there's financial investigations going on along January 6th, the fake electors, the overturning of the, of the election, the documents. All of this is starting to be kind of interconnect. All of these separate investigations are now starting to be kind of connected together. And Rudy Giuliani, being the president's former lawyer, um, was in a lot of these agreements. Now there is uh, reporting that potentially Mark Meadows, the former president's former chief of staff, uh, has also been given a proffer agreement and has met with Jack Smith's prosecutors. We don't know that to be true, although that is the rumor. And Trump's team uh, went on a fact-finding mission 
to try to find uh, Mark Meadows, figure out who he's been talking to, because apparently he's gone zero dark 30 and Trump can't get Trump's team can't get a hold of him. He's basically no new phone who dis to, to Trump, which is if you're Trump and your former chief of staff, who was one of the people at, who was around all of the schemes, heard all of the schemes, was a part of the schemes to try to overturn the election and the whole January 6th debacle. Um, having both Rudy Giuliani and potentially Mark Meadows flip on you is a bad sign. I would not say that that is particularly good news for the former president. Now, we don't know what Rudy Giuliani has said, and I think there are probably some people who are frustrated by the fact that Rudy Giuliani may potentially even skate on um, all of the wrongdoings that wrongdoing that he has done, all of the pushing of the lies about uh, Dominion voting machines and all of the lies about the stolen election and trying to steal the election, <laughs> saying the election was stolen, but then trying to steal the election. Uh, but... I think if you were to break this down, I think the idea is that I they're not giving Rudy Giuliani a a proffer agreement, basically immunity, if they didn't think that what he could give them was important. But also, I feel like from what I've read is that more than likely they already have all of the information. They just need someone to give context and tie together different events and different evidence and different and connect different pieces of evidence that they have. And who better than one of the people who was in all of these meetings and was help was on the front lines of pushing these lies and narratives. So if you're going after if Rudy isn't your big fish, there's not many more big fish left and there's not many bigger fish in the pond to go after if you're not trying to get Rudy the list is very short above him more than likely he's got a pretty bad haircut and a fake tan so um that sounded all pretty biased but um things are moving fairly rapidly there seems to be very professional nature at this. Even Bill Barr said that the indictment against Trump in the documents case was incredibly well constructed. It was well argued and has a lot of merit. Um, we're still waiting for the Trump, I mean, Trump's team to kind of build their legal defense. So far, what Trump's main lawyer has been able to, the arguments that they've tried to posit on the airwaves have been less than um, valid, seemingly. Like, basically just saying it's just a conspiracy against Trump. Well, if that's your defense, you're going to have to prove that there's a conspiracy against Trump. And the one of the, the key things in the documents case is that he's the the uh, the prosecutor keeps bringing up that the president has the ability to declassify. But the, the, the issue here is that with the Espionage Act is that it doesn't matter if these documents the, specifically the documents, the ones that they chose to, the ones that they chose to charge Trump criminally for, were not documents, uh, were the documents that he refused to give back. That's the obstruction charges. They asked him for it. He said no. They asked him for it again. He hid them. They wouldn't got them. That's obstruction. It doesn't matter if he declassified them because of the sensitivity of the nature 
of those documents. They are of they are of defensive. They are defensive in nature, and they are they are important to the security of the United States. Whether he declassified them or not, the fact that they are still hanging around in a basement bathroom at a public resort puts this nation's security at risk whether he technically declassified them or not it does not matter even though he didn't he doesn't have that standing power to do so he didn't have it he doesn't have it but regardless even if he did he can still be charged criminally for illegal retention and and not giving those back to a to not securing those in a secure area because of the sensitivity of the documents and the nature of those documents themselves that is the crux of the argument it doesn't matter if they were declassified or not they're still defensive in nature and therefore they were not his to have he could not keep them he kept them and he hid them and he refused to give them back even though there were repeated attempts to do so and so the 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 arguments that are out there from the defense doesn't even seem the whole way because it's they're not even arguing the same thing so anyway we'll see what happens but that is kind of when i want to wrap it up there so to reveal my answer to the question i posed at the beginning of the episode which to reiterate was if somebody came up to you on the street and opened up a briefcase and said you get fifty thousand dollars right now but you have to then hand deliver a hundred thousand dollars to the person in your life that you hate the most not some celebrity or somebody, some leader of a country, somebody who is in your life that you hate the most. You have to go and hand deliver them the $100,000 and you're not allowed to tell them why you're giving them the $100,000. You just have to give it to them and leave. Do you take the fifty grand? My answer to that question is, why wouldn't I want 150000 